Hello and welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by MailChimp, the world's leading email marketing platform. 12 million people use MailChimp every day to connect to their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce business. Send better email, sell more stuff. Thanks to MailChimp. We appreciate them sponsoring this podcast, and we've got a great one for you today. I'm Ben Epstein. As always, I was joined by Mike Prada, and we had Andrew Sharp of The Crossover, Sports Illustrated, former SB Nation NBA writer with Mike. I think you guys are really going to like it. We talk about Nerlens Noel, we talk about the Wizards, and we talk about the All-Star Game. Three fun topics. But before you listen to the pod, please do us a favor. Please subscribe, rate, review, all those good things. We love the feedback. Those comments are greatly appreciated. And when you send us questions, we like those too. So send those questions to Mike Prada at SBNation.com, at Mike Prada SBN, at Limited underscore Upside, and at EpiBen. That's email, that's Twitter. Send us those questions. We always appreciate them. We might even do a mailbox coming up soon where we get to every single one of them. But enjoy this podcast. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Mike Prada here, uh, and we have a special guest, uh, former SBNer, now currently at Sports Illustrated, and fellow long-suffering Washington Wizards fan, Andrew Sharp. How you doing? What's up, man? How you guys doing? Excellent. It's great to finally have you on here. We we had pivoted. We were going to have you on a couple weeks back, and some things got in the way here. Some life events got in the way, and, and now we're happy to have you on, and a happier time for the Wizards, so it's good timing, I think. It's pretty funny. We've we've almost done this podcast, I think, two separate times. And either of the other days that we would have done it over the last like six weeks <laughs> uh, would have led to like a really dark discussion <laughs> of the Wizards. And now suddenly like things are looking up a little bit. So it's, it's good. I'm, I, well, this will be a cheerier podcast <laughs> for everybody. Well, I'm glad we could have the yin and yang of the Wizards fandom here because, and Mike, I'll let you tee this off. Um, we have maybe run over the Wizards with our car a few times in previous podcasts here, so let's resuscitate them. Okay. Uh, let, let, me grab the before, uh, let me grab the defibrillator. Let me grab the defibrillator. Yeah, we'll shock it back into existence here. So, yeah. so what what did you want to get into here, Mike? Because they're 12 and 14, one game out of the eight seed, and things are looking up. And we're recording this during the Pacers game, so they could be That's 13 right. and 14 uh, if things go well. Yeah, so Bradley Beal, huh? How about that? He finally is making the leap. You know, that is definitely where like any Wizards discussion should start. Uh, I am still pretty stunned at how successful he's been and like how aggressive he looks. And it's tough because, like, Part of it is he's just got to he's got to stay healthy. And like if he had been healthy last year, I think some of this could have happened last year. Um, but yeah, like over the last three weeks, he's been unreal um, and playing at like a real all star level. I was I was at the Clippers game Sunday and couldn't believe just like how how aggressive he was, man. I, that's the main thing. And I I'm, I don't want to come off like a, a Wizards homer. <laughs> and like I should say. I've been super down on this team for the, the better part of the last year and a half. And yet right now it's like when Beal is healthy and playing like this, it, it really does change the whole equation for them. 
Yeah, so he had 41 last yesterday uh, on Sunday. Uh, six to 10 from three. It's his second 40-point game of the year. He scored at least 20 now in six straight games. He had a 42-pointer earlier in the year. He had a 34 and a 31 and a 31. Uh, and I remember Jared Dudley saying at the, at the beginning of last year, like, hey, you know, if Bradley Beal doesn't get hurt in the third week of the season, like that whole year changes for us. And I've always sort of thought, well, okay, like he had a couple good games to start the year, but it wasn't like his injury lingered for that long. You know, it's not like one injury should throw something off. But I think we also have to keep in mind that he's 23 now and 23 is still really young. And all the talk of him of writing him off and seeing all this stuff, it's probably was a little premature. Like, I'm not sure he's going to keep hitting this many shots, but it's not really out of the question that someone 22 going on 23 could suddenly make a jump, right? I mean, it doesn't matter that he's been in the league a while. You know, that's that's a pretty logical jump. This is around the same time that Clay Thompson made his jump. So why not Bradley Beal if he's not injured? So Ben, as an outsider, yeah, what yeah. have you? What do you think of Bradley Beal? Sure. Um, well, so Beal's always kind of been this an enigma. As far as my Wizards fandom goes, I'm usually the positive one. The last few years here on this podcast, I've been the one like, "Hey, Mike, it's not so bad. You have a super young backcourt, and there's tons of potential." And then, like, literally the next podcast, Beal <laughs> would go out with like a shin contusion for three right. months, and he'd be like, "Oh my god!" And honestly, like, I think the the main topic when we discussed Beal previously was never talent related or even fit related with Wall. There's personality things there that I think the national public maybe a Sixers fan like myself might uh, you know tie on to a little bit but realistically yeah. it was the injuries were the theme here right when you have stress related injuries a lot of times that's you know the NBA player's body or whatever sport that's that athlete's body saying this is not the one for you your shins aren't made for I don't know hardwood and jumping backpedaling stuff like that but when you see the fit on the court especially a game like last night I, I got to watch the extended highlights on NBA.com so it doesn't do full justice to the game but it really looks like that that Beal and Wall have kind of found their synergy together on the court and I'm, I don't know I'm, I'm a fan of watching young backcourts develop into the right uh, winning formula, not just statistical formula, which maybe you're seeing a little bit this year out west in, in Portland. So yeah, it's it's been fun to kind of watch as someone who watches only big men. A dig at another backcourt. Well, I, I mean, love that we can the, do this now. We've, we've had to well, take this is the where we were a couple years so ago, long. right? Yeah. Two years ago, we were in this like, hey, who, who's the best backcourt in the NBA? And there was a discussion, a very valid one about the Wizards being, the, you know, potentially the best one. Uh, not just Curry and Clay or Lillard and McCullum there either. So, yeah, I mean, Sharp, that's where I kind of land. I watch so much big man basketball that drives me insane with absolutely no guards uh, yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Um, so it's nice to be able to watch a little bit of the Wizards, feel positive about the fact that I'm on the record here for, I don't know, like a year and a half, two years, being the one who's like, hey, Mike, we're just a couple games away from it all turning around. Uh, and it looks like it has. What have you noticed specifically, Sharp, from the beginning of even this season, where things didn't look quite as, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, call it meshing, if you will, to where we are right now, which is they've won a few games in a row, they're, and they're beating good teams, too. Yeah, they have beat good teams, which is really like that's the big question mark with the Wizards is <laughs> they they over the last few years they have basically skated into the playoffs without winning a lot of the a lot of the games against good teams. Like they they can beat crappy teams and the the biggest problem they had last year is that the rest of the East got better. Right. And there just weren't enough easy games on the schedule um and then they were per- <laughs> Like poorly coached, and Beal was injured, and that was that was it. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm not sure. 
I, I really do think Beal has turned a corner here to where he's like he's more aggressive and he's getting to the line. John John Wall is still outstanding. Um, and it's funny, like you you mentioned the big men with the Sixers. Like for the first month of the season, I was fantasizing about different ways that we could dump Beal's contract on <laughs> Philly and steal a couple picks. And uh, oh, and now I'm not wow. so sure. I'm like. <laughs> I will, I will definitely see. Let's see what happens here with Beal because he's been he's been really solid. And uh, I the the thing with the Wiz though is that you still like watching how well Beal and Wall have played makes me number one wish that they had like a real bench around them, and number two, uh, I still worry about what they do with Otto this summer. Because like I still like you can't sink in three hundred million dollars to Bradley Beal, John Wall, and Otto Porter. Right. Well, why not? What other choice do they have? <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, I don't know how how far that core is going to get you. I mean, the problem is not the three hundred million they sunk into Otto Porter. The problem is like the fifty million they're sinking into Andrew Nicholson, Jason Smith, Markeith Morris, Yamahimi. I mean, I could go on and on. That's the problem, I think. Mike, you've been pretty out, out front, yeah. though. The, the bench is what's going to hold this team back, not this core, if you will, call it the Ubre Porter, um, Wall, and Beal. Is that still your concern, even though, I mean, I guess the last couple nights there's been a slightly better team effort? Although I guess it's coming from Morris, had a good game last night. Are you seeing more from him, or is there anything like outside of this, call it the core young group here, that, that does make you a little more optimistic? Mike, how do you feel about Marquis Morris? Uh, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead, Mike. How do you feel about Morris? Well, 20% of the time, he's great. And then 80% of the time, <laughs> you're saying, well, you know, maybe if the 20% goes to be more than 20%. <laughs> That's kind of the sum, what sums it up. He had a big game against the Clippers. It's really, really frustrating. Well, it's almost like you need two Morrises to get to that 40% threshold, and then you're doing pretty well. Yeah, but even then, like, that that's just not <laughs> yeah, you're taking seriously. up too much. <laughs> too much <laughs> yeah, I... I think what they're trying to do is they looked at it and and they said, okay, $8 million a year for the next three years. And when the cap spikes, that's a really good contract. And there's a chance that maybe he could become more consistent and become a legit starter. And I think what's instead happened is that he's been exactly what we should have expected, which was there are times where he looks really great and he kind of puts it all together and he's not just floating and shooting bad off-the-dribble twos and not paying attention and his help defense. But most of the time, those those flashes aren't there. And so when you're relying on someone, they've sort of found a workaround, I think, with Kyle Uber playing power forward, which is kind of nice. So they don't need yeah. Morris to be the same sort of consistent force. But I just don't think it's going to happen at this point. You know, what I would love is if he could really improve his three-point shot. He would stop taking off-the-dribble jumpers. He would stop trying to go one-on-one uh, because it's not his game. He's not strong enough to finish inside. He's kind of can't get to the rim. He shoots all those nine-foot kind of turnarounds that are inefficient shots. You know, you wish he just kind of was allowed him to focus on what he was good at. But at this point, I just don't see that happening. And so I think they tried to kind of sneak away with some, you know, with the value contract uh, because they do have Beal's contract coming up. They do have Otto's extension on the horizon. Uh, but it just doesn't hasn't really worked out. So I think it was a smart, calculated risk given where they were last year. Um, and I mean, the, the the draft pick they gave up, like a lot of Wizards fans really took that hard. But like, if you look at the draft, 
we wouldn't have really gotten anybody at that at the spot that we were in. Um, I think Papa Giannis was the actual was was the guy who was drafted there. I don't know. They just it was a it was a really weak draft. Um, having said that, watching watching Markeith night to night is so frustrating mm-hmm. because he just he the talent is there. But he takes so many like lazy pull ups from like nineteen feet, and you're just like, all right, man. Like, there's twelve seconds on the shot clock. I don't know what the plan is here. <laughs> and then, and he, and then there, like you said, twenty percent of the time he's fantastic, and he's everything you'd want from like a stretch four, perfect guy to play with Wall. And like two and a half years ago, he was considered untouchable in Phoenix. Like that, he was a like a real part of the future. And so I understand gambling that like the, like the Wizards gambling um, that maybe he could reclaim that. It's just night to night he has been a little dicey. Although like Sunday against the Clippers he was fantastic. Um, but I think you bring up you brought up Ubre. Ubre is quietly turned into like a a real useful piece for them, and he's been a, a big factor in what's happened over the past couple weeks. Yeah, I think Ubre's progression is definitely going to ease that sort of the stress that maybe Morris's unpredictable play kind of places on yeah. the team, which is nice on a night in and night out basis. I think that Marquise Morris is well on his way to fulfilling his career prophecy of being a uh, Spates light, um, which is great. <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah. I'd rather have Maurice Spates at this point. At least he knows what his role is. I mean, sure, he yeah. didn't when he was on the Sixers when he was twenty-seven years old. You know, which is a little bit different. You know, parts of their Marquise. career now. Honestly, Markeith, the guy, he he has like, as watching the Wiz, I find myself comparing him to Andre Blatch sometimes, which is like <laughs> the meanest comparison you can give. And uh, so he's not that bad, but he's also not quite what we what we would want from him. Um, but I don't know, man. I, like considering how how dark the Wizard season could have been as recently as like. <laughs> 10 days ago this is this is a really interesting twist that's happening now yeah and as the, as the east shakes out like and, and mike I'll, I'll defer to you on this but there, who who's really that much better than the wizards in the eastern conference on a, on a single game basis or a seven game series basis cleveland and toronto right yeah i mean i would say i would say even though they beat charlotte i kind of i think charlotte's probably a better team in over 82 games boston is now getting healthy you okay. have to watch out for them. Yeah. Uh, Detroit's been in a rut, but you feel like they have the talent. The thing I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens when they get on the road because they've had a lot of home games uh, in mm-hmm. this stretch. A lot of games against teams that are sort of in their range and not playing well. Like Detroit came in, and Detroit is really in a rut right now, and so they kind of got them at a good time. Uh, the Clippers are not playing that great, although that was still a big win. Uh, they had a really tight wins over teams that weren't playing that great. So I want to see them take it to the road a little bit before I'm really buying in. Uh, but, it, you know, look, they, they can get to the playoffs. I mean, the problem, though, is, like, what is the same thing? Like, what is the upside? And that's sort of where you get back to the Porter question. It's like, if you're trying to win a title sometime, then, yeah, you wouldn't pay yeah. out a Porter. But, <laughs> you know, you're not going to – nothing's – you're not going to get any better or really move any, forward anywhere if you – over the next four or five years if you let him go. You know, I, I don't – or even tra- even at this point, trade him. And we can talk, we can transition to the next thing we're talking about, which is Neural's Noel. One of the problems with Neural's Noel's trade value right now is that he's a free agent this summer. So the same thing would happen to Otto Porter. 
Let me ask you something, though. Before we get to New Orleans and Philly's just, like, nightmare, uh, <laughs> I want to ask, what about what about Boogie? Oh, look, if they want to get, if they can get him, cool. But, like, I don't think Otto Porter is getting it done. No, no, no. But what would you, would you roll the dice and say, all right, Beal has been fantastic lately. We'll give, we'll give up Beal for Boogie, uh, like in February. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I think I need to see a little more of whether this Beal thing is real, uh, whether he's yeah. progressed. I mean, I think the problem that you run into is that, you feel like you have to make a decision on that roll of the dice. You know, a well-run franchise doesn't have to ask themselves, should we roll the dice with DeMarcus Cousins in a trade? You know, a franchise well, that's built, de- built depth over the long haul, I think that's sort of the problem. Because now that you've kind of created a choice where it's like, okay, you've got Wall, Beal, and Porter for the probably for the next three years with a bunch of contracts that are going to be hard to move. Like, this is your team. Where are you going yeah. versus... We could try to do something that could work out incredibly, but could also really blow up in our faces. So that's kind of where I fall in. You'd rather just roll the dice. Well, no, it's more that like, all right, let's take John Wall's prime and weaponize it as as much as we can. And then if that doesn't work, I like I think a, a wall boogie auto core would either be a lot better than people realize or it would be like a disaster pretty quickly <laughs> right and and then it, at that point wall is up in 2019 and if it doesn't work it's not it won't be that difficult to move on well will it though i mean you still have like some really bad contracts that have to play out you know that's sort of the you would still have like, to wait like until what, like you Yamahimi's got four years on his contract. Like <laughs> you still have to deal with that at thirty-three. Nicholson, four years left on his deal. Jason Smith, three years. You know, these are I always think that where you really run into trouble in this in the league is where you're you've got these sort of average players making a lot of money on a team that totally. has already started to rebuild. So yeah. you'd sort of have to let that play out anyway. Uh I don't know. I mean I'm mostly I'm just upset that they're even in that position. But, yeah. but isn't it? But aren't the Wizards like the perfect team in terms of where they sit in the league hierarchy to take that chance? You know, to kind of echo Sharp's sentiment here, like if you don't make a move of of any large proportion, you're probably going to find yourselves still behind Toronto and still behind Cleveland, likely behind Boston. Um, you know, whoever else you want to kind of put up Charlotte if you want to go to the top of the East. But if you make a move and it actually works. And say that there is some synergy there, which, you know, they have history together from Kentucky. And they seem to be the only two people in the whole world that get each other in Cousins and Wall. (laughs) Um, So maybe in that regard, it's one of those things where they are the team most situated to make that type of move. That maybe even like a Boston who has, you know, more chemistry, sort of a coach down mentality of, of, you know, this is Stevens way and there's Ainge's way above that. Or maybe Cousins wouldn't necessarily fit in as much. Maybe that's... Maybe that's where where the Wizards come in and kind of could be that that suitor for uh, for Cousins. So I, I mean, as an NBA holistic fan, I think that would be awesome. I think it'd be it super be cool to get Cousins right? out of Sacramento. Yeah, it'd be interesting, and and also to kind of put up or shut up thing. These Kentucky guys always talk about, hey, if we ever go on the same team in the NBA, and it's like, well, <laughs> let's see what happens. Yeah, Just, and honestly, from an objective, as an objective observer, I would not give them 
a great chance of, of success, but <laughs> no. I think it would be pretty interesting. And yes. I, like ideally in a, in a perfect world, they could find a way to keep Bradley Beal and give up like literally every other <laughs> asset they have to try yeah. to build wall Beal and cousins. And, you know, Boogie's trade value is, is taking a hit over the oh, yeah. last couple, couple weeks. And who knows? Cause I don't think Boston wants him. I think they've got they a don't intend to pay that much money in to the center position and b I don't think Stevens wants him and so like beyond that like the the market for Boogie is not great in general so if you're the Wizards it's mostly like like you said Ben like I just I'm worried about tying up like a six seed and having that be like. John Wall's entire career in in DC is is at that level in that tier of the NBA. Sure. Yeah, I've kind of come. I'm resigned to it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Like <laughs> they, they miss their cha- they miss their chances. I think to really become something much more, unless these guys get a lot better. And I don't yeah, know if any trade's going to do anything about that. I'd rather, at this point, it's at least they can kind of build. Because here's the other, we we should probably move on. But here's the other thing I think about with the with Wizards is you look at the lack of crowds there, and you realize that they have just they've never had a period where even they have anything really that exciting to root for for 30 years. And at least if you can say, <laughs> all right, we're in the 40s for a while, but at least we've got like a couple like young stars that we can kind of hold on to as a legacy. Like maybe in 10 years, it'll be there'll be more of a culture and a, more of a fan base built up. I mean, it just like the, the, the most memorable team of this Wizards run is, you know, either the arenas teams that self-combusted or – the Weber Howard Strickland team that won 44 games that one year. Yeah. Well, see now this is closer to the dark wizards podcast <laughs> that we would have had a couple of weeks ago. So I like you tying it all together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm glad they're winning now. Let's, let's just enjoy yeah. the winning now. I did not think about what to do later. This episode of Limited Upside is brought to you by MailChimp. 12 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce businesses every day. MailChimp has been around since 2001. The company started as a side project funded by various web development jobs, but now they are the world's leading email marketing platform. They send more than a billion emails a day. They democratize technology for small businesses, creating innovative products that empower their customers to grow. When you connect to your store with one of MailChimp's hundreds of e-commerce integrations, you can create targeted campaigns, automate helpful product follow-ups, and send back-in-stock messaging. Learn what your customers are purchasing, and then send them better email. MailChimp will also analyze the purchase history of each customer to make smart, data-driven predictions about what they'll want to buy in the future. It's enterprise-level technology made simple for everyone. Just drag and drop. Sending personalized product recommendations to your customers increases sales in just a few clicks. MailChimp detects purchasing patterns in your e-commerce data and uses them to automatically predict your customers' buying behavior so you can target the right people with the right products. It's MailChimp. Send better email. Sell more stuff.
what? we can transition to a sadder, darker place in the NBA if you guys want. It's it's a couple miles up 95 north from DC. Uh, if you want to go there, I'm all I'm all always down to talk Sixers. What <laughs> like where on the spectrum of crazy Sixers fan do you fall? <laughs> oh God, it's important. Uh, I probably fell off of that spectrum a few years ago. Uh, if, if, <laughs> if it has any shape to it that I could be standing on, um, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 a lunatic when it comes to the Sixers. I was watching. Um, I was looking for the progression in Nerlens Noel's game from the first time he stepped on the court in Philadelphia, which was his second season in the NBA, which is a reoccurring uh-huh. theme of trying to drive any fan crazy. Draft someone and then tell your fan base you get to watch him play in a year. You know, <laughs> sucks. But um, or two years. Not with Nerlens. <laughs> two years. Yeah, two years. In Joel's case, totally worth it. That's so, an exception. So on the uh, Mike Levin to Howard Eskin scale, would you say <laughs> yeah. you're a little more towards the Mike Levin side? Yeah. Far, yeah. Like, far do you have? Me. Do you have a? statue of sam hankey in your living room <laughs> i have a i have a trust the process sweater and one of those Embiid uh instead of the chronic the process t-shirts does that put me farther up there okay um, yeah yeah totally. so i like to support the team i mean look it's like this i would love for all of these draft picks to have been like that's our shooting guard and that's our small forward and that'll be our center but that's just not the way this shook down and uh, patience is maybe the virtue that philadelphia lacks the most if i'm going to be polite about it um not a patient city um and therefore like when you have a situation like noel who is being asked to be patient himself uh and and the fan base around them is like hey man just trust the process be patient and he's like are you kidding me philadelphia like of all the people of all the cities to be telling me to be patient (laughs) Um, and here he is and he's upset i mean it makes sense um i I have this whole theory sharp about young guys losing and what that does to their psyche uh-huh. And I think it manifests itself in no sport more than the NBA. Like, I think the NBA is like the Petri dish for this kind of uh, this mental uh, hula hoop, if you will. It just keeps going around and around here, which is that when you start losing, you just fall into that rut where, like, you feel like you are personally responsible. And Noel's been a part of the losingest culture in sports history over a three-year span. No, no percentage-wise, right. no team has lost more. Um, and I think part of that is he attributes a little bit of that to what could he have done more. But the other part of it is seeing that maybe he doesn't think he is a part of it. They He's like, hey, these guys have been losing and I haven't been playing and I've never been able to showcase what I can do. And therefore, he sees himself as maybe an outsider, even though he was supposed to be one of the insiders on this team. And I can only imagine what that does to like a 22 year old psyche. Um, And that's where I think this whole thing gets really messy. Um, There's the physical attributes on the court. He's the exact opposite player as Okafor. So when he's not playing and Okafor is, that's like, hey, Coach Brett Brown is choosing that skill set over mine. Um, and I can see where that might be an issue. Um, but then the other part of it is like he's he's also, um, from what I understand, like and with the way he's played himself, uh, as, you know, as a call it a scrappier player in the league, he likes to do the dirty work. But he's also added zero to his offensive game. Um, and if you have an Embiid on your team, you don't need to have that rim protector that Noel's best quality is. Um, yeah. So on the on the side of the fanatical, you know, call it to the Levin side and not the Howard Eskin side, it's that this is like an obvious issue with no obvious solution, and that's what makes it so much more frustrating. You guys I think alluded to an that obvious trade. solution. I think they should just let him go, trade him. Well, so well, those are two different things. Those are two different things. Letting him go right. to his restricted Tra- free agency coming up and trading him. It was funny to hear Brian Colangelo do pull this Jedi mind trick on all of us uh, in his press conference today, kind of saying, "No, these are not these are not the Nerlens Noel uh, rumors of discontent that you're looking for. These are not the Nerlens Noel words that you're looking for today." So he seems still obsessed with like, "Oh, well, we haven't seen him play. We've got to get value for him." At this point, man, the ship has sailed. Like this is you just got to let go. He's a free agent at the end of the year. 
you know, you're not going to get very much for him at this point. You just got to move on. That's what I think. It's like kind of a strange thing because I think Colangelo has been in a tough spot where if he did just pull the trigger on a deal and didn't get back what people think that those those assets are supposed to bring back, like Hinky fans would have gone apeshit over the summer if he basically had traded him for like the 16th pick in the first round or, or even worse. Like at this point, I don't even know if he can get a first round pick for, for Nerlens. And so there would have been like so much local backlash because Hinky spent the last three years basically winning every trade, bringing in all kinds of assets. And now it has set up this situation where like both Jaleel and Nerlens have absolutely no trade value. And, and the Sixers have no leverage in any of these discussions I mean, it's now gotten to become like sort of a cartoon. Like, yeah, Nerlens is after games, like cursing out different, basically like cursing out his coach. And uh, I don't know, man. Like, I think Nerlens has a lot of talent, and people are kind of sleeping on him in terms of just his value. And like, I think wherever he goes next, he's going to do really well. The last oh. couple of years yeah. have been kind of a nightmare in Philly and it's just it's been a bad situation for him and I do think that like it's not so much that it affected like losing affected him psychologically but it's sort of like brought out his worst tendencies like he hasn't really been that engaged and he's he's someone who will probably need structure to succeed in the NBA yeah and there just has it hasn't really been there in Philly yeah I mean and and I think you nailed it a little bit there with structure is important. Having your role is important. Going from the leader, you were the, you know, the lottery pick and the only lottery pick playing on a team of D-leaguers to you have your superstar who plays the same position as you. You have, you know, Okafor right next to you, like we talked about. Simmons coming back, who's in essence the same height. Rashawn Holmes, who plays a really similar type of basketball that Noel does, which is another part of this equation we haven't even mentioned yet, which is like Rashawn Holmes is an important part of this. He basically does what Noel does for the Sixers, and he's a second-round draft pick. What, what did you think of? Uh, what did you think of Brett Brown saying? Oh, actually, I feel bad for Rashawn Holmes. Oh, I love that. I thought that was. I thought that was important that he put him back into the picture. To be honest, because I think Holmes is actually a decent player um, and Holmes, someone who can Holmes help. is the guy that I would try to steal if I were if I were <laughs> dealing with the Sixers. I would. Sure. I would be like, look, we will. I, I don't know. I I think he, Holmes is another guy who like because. The the asset collection in Philly has led to like six or seven power forwards and centers, and like Holmes could play twenty minutes a night on a on a different team and really be super useful. Yeah. So it sucks that he's gotten lost in the shuffle. Is it hard for you as a Sixers fan to continue the charade of pretending that Jaleel Okafor, Okafor is good? Well, so I. <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's a, that's a leaning question. I uh, have not. Um, I've never really been that big of an Okafor supporter. I've never been the one who's like, well, you can't play defense, write them off in the NBA. Like there's a place for guys like Okafor. It's just usually they're six foot four uh, and their name's Jamal Crawford and they come off the bench. Um, you know, yeah. you, you can be a defensive liability at like four positions in the NBA. But when you're playing center, um, especially in the East now or just in general, where all of a sudden there's this renaissance of 
centers with multi-talented offensive games. Um, yeah, puts you in a pickle. But like, I don't, I don't try to pretend Okafor is something he's not. No, starting him alongside Embiid is not smart. And they're playing that out. They're A-B testing this team right now. It doesn't matter if they win. doesn't matter if they lose. So it's good it's to just, find out that they can't play together. It's weird that he's getting minutes. Like, yeah. I, I think most of the minutes that he's getting should be going to, like, if not Nerlens, because I understand that that whole situation yeah. is screwed up. Like, but Rashawn Holmes should be playing those minutes. Like, I, yeah. I don't really understand the, like, because... I, I agree that Okafor is okay. Can you give up on two top six <laughs> picks, though? <laughs> but it was a bad pick. I mean, like, I don't yeah. know what, what, what more you can say. Well, like, what's I think what's the statute of limitations on that? Like, what's the statute of fandom limitation on, like, when you forget about what pick a guy was and you know that, like, objectively, that's not the guy we should be playing on the team. But we yeah. picked him third overall. I think it's a little longer than a year and a couple months. Yeah, that's that's fair. I I just it's hard to it's hard for me to imagine him succeeding in Philly. Yeah, like given the way things have happened and and Embiid's presence, I don't think I don't think he Embiid makes it harder for them on the court, but like it probably makes it harder for Jaleel or Nerlens to look look around and like envision a future for them yeah. for themselves there. No, I agree. So Noel's an impending free agent, which I think is another reason why he's speaking out. It, this is literally costing him a lot of money, uh, this whole situation. But where where would you want him to go? I know, I know, Sharp, you looked at Portland as a team you would love to have him. Is there anyone else that you feel like should be calling the Sixers up and maybe offering a little more than just spare change? Yeah, so I wrote about him because when you think it through – it's hard because a lot of good teams could use him, like the Celtics could use him, the Raptors, uh, the Warriors. But a lot of the teams that could use him would not be in a position to pay him uh, right. this summer. And so, like, it's hard to give up assets. And, like, I, if I were Dallas, I would try to be stealing him. Um if I were I, and Portland is the, is the one that's like if they can offload one of those big contracts in the in the trade for Nerlens and then give basically turn around and give that money to Nerlens this summer, that would be like a great look for them because I think there's a, there's a better than fifty percent chance that Nerlens is going to turn into like a a really solid starter for ten years. Yeah. I think um, I took this from your the piece that you wrote. The Nerlens Noel is the best Blazer solution. You said at worst yeah. he's Bismack Biombo, and at best he's a Thibs era Joakim Noah. It right. feels like there's value for for either one of those guys. Yeah, and like I mean, especially now in the the way the NBA is played, like a, a guy who can anchor a defense and get in transition and sort of basically stay out of the way on offense at, at worst. Is is pretty helpful. Um, like it, it's, he's like Clint Capella, like mm-hmm. like is doing great things for the Rockets. So, I if the other team that I thought of today, like it'd be kind of interesting if the Lakers tried to steal Nerlens um, Clarkson for Clarkson. Is that that's what, what I was say? thinking? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Look at that. I'm in a closet in Brooklyn. You're somewhere in DC, and we're thinking the same. <laughs> the same two thing. Basketball nerds. It's crazy. exactly. Why would the Lakers mess up? Like the good vibes they got, though. Well, they have depth at, at that specific, like guard scoring. They have plenty of that, and especially if they want to. What's up, Mike? They, well, their no. their defense is atrocious. That right too. Now. So, that too. like, that's a, that's an issue. That's true. I I am. I need to see a little more Noel before I'm fully on board. I'd I'd like to see him improve his technique, but he certainly has the upside. I mean, Portland would be a good spot. It's just 
you know, Portland's yeah. got to pay has already paid a gazillion dollars to guys who are not huge difference makers. Like, can you do that with Noel too? You have to figure out how to, you know, and I wouldn't move Mo Harkless. I think that guy is really good. I would keep him. You know, I don't know. Maybe someone wants Alan Crabb. Yeah. I mean, that's it won't the, be Turner. That's for sure. That's it. Definitely can't be Turner. If I were them, they got, they got Harkless on a good deal. And I just don't think it makes sense, especially given how expensive like McCollum and Lillard are. It yeah. does not make sense to give up a, an affordable, like starting caliber player like Mo Harkless. He was a six like, or two like four years ago. That's part right. of the Vucevic change. Harkless, yeah, Harkless has made the rounds early oh, yeah. in his career. Um, and, and Portland seems like it's actually like a good spot for him. I, I like as a Sixers fan, would you want Alan Crabb? Yeah, I mean, he'd be interesting. I, I think all of these like shooting related parts of these trades. So like if the Raptors were to trade Terrence Ross or like, you know, if you could bring in a Livingston from Golden State or Clarkson, all these pieces would make a lot more sense to me in my head if I knew what Ben Simmons was going to be on the court. Um, yeah. So like that whole that's one of the things I wanted to ask. Prater, you just mentioned like you need to see more. But like what is the exposure versus overexposure point for Noel? Where like if we see too much of him you're like well he's got super limited offensive game still he's a pretty good passer but he's basically the same skinny kind of rim protector who we thought he was but there's like a few of those uh, in every draft his, his skill set maybe isn't as um you know specific or as strong as we thought or it's you know he plays uh, he keeps not playing and keeps having these like elective surgeries which might speak more about the mental com- you know component than the actual physical component i've never heard of elective what do you mean? What do you mean? Elective surgery? Is that what he had? Like he chose to have his knee scoped because he he wanted it to get. You know, I, I honestly I think, and this is more speculation, but he was buying time for the Sixers to make a move. I mean, he trained. Yeah. He, he changed his representation in the same time period that he had elective surgery. He went from you know Andy Miller to Dan Fagan. I think part of that was to buy time to get out of Philadelphia. But why would anyone trade for him when he's on undergoing surgery? Wouldn't that hurt his value? I I think it was more like a wink wink type surgery. Yeah, like yeah. I don't think it was really like I don't think his recovery was that intensive. It was sort of like I'm just going to stay at home until you guys figure this out. That's right. And then it got to a point where I think Philly was kind of like we need you to play if we're going to trade you at all. And I don't know. The whole thing has just been pretty poorly handled. Yeah. No, it's been really poorly handled. That's why <laughs> That's I would have sure. just taken the L and moved him. I know I agree with you <laughs> that it would have been it would have been hard for Colangelo yeah. to face the Hinky fans who were like, How'd you give up only that much to give up Nerlens Noel? But I think in the end it would have been a better decision for everyone. You know, I think yeah. it would have it would have established Philadelphia as a team that maybe is a little more player friendly. It would have kind of remove that sort of distraction. I guess they couldn't do it because they weren't sure how whether Embiid could stay healthy. But, yeah, you know, no, that's even, the whole thing. Even so, I think I still would have taken the L early. Uh, you know, it's easy to say in hindsight, but... No, well. I agree. I, I'm most... One of the other things that intrigues me with the Sixers is, like, I just wonder how we're going to feel in in two or three years about Simmons over Ingram. Because, mm. like, you look at... If Embiid is this good and can stay healthy, Ingram would have been a much cleaner fit on that team. And I just, I, I mean, obviously, like Ben Simmons hasn't played a game yet, so right. it's hard to it's hard to say. But like, especially like as you think through the future and different options for these guys in the draft, like every time you you kind of have to you're kind of limited. Like you have to think of different guards who can shoot and. I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how it works out with that. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think that uh, Hinky just knew how good Malik Monk was going to be and how strong the upcoming uh, the upcoming draft was. He was like, "No, no, we're going to get our one and our two in the 2017 draft." Oh, I forgot. Uh, how painful was that? Real quick, I forgot you're a UNC fan too. Mm. Uh, you know what? It wasn't that painful because as a as an NBA, as someone who now I pretty much only cover the NBA, um, and so I watch a lot of basketball, like pro basketball and watching college in comparison is usually pretty brutal mm-hmm. but that's right kentucky, ben kentucky versus that statement. yeah here it comes mike here well comes. no kentucky versus north carolina <laughs> was so much fun yeah the game was like, amazing it all was right, just a right. perfect basketball game yeah. so i have no complaints after that I, okay. that was better than like 80 percent of the games i've watched this year in the nba in terms oh. of like Unquestionable shot making NBA talent. I mean, okay, was... so so one game, <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, one game is better than eighty percent. Just one game. There are a lot of, I mean, like, a lot more games. Technically speaking, there have been two. UCLA Kentucky was yes. also like okay, on fine. par with any any pro game. I actually watched some of that game. I watched some of that game, so I agree that was a good game. Yes, so maybe like every every so often, like it delivers. Anyway, one more thing we wanted to talk about before while we got here before we go, because uh, we talked a lot about our two favorite teams. Um, there's some interesting news uh, that came out today about All Star voting. Uh, is no yeah, the longer, important stuff. There's no longer a fan only thing. So sorry, Zaza Pachulia, you can't get your Legion of <laughs> Georgian fans to vote you into the All Star game. It's now going to be what about 50% fan vote, 25% players, 25% media. Uh, so thought it was as good a time as ever to pick our All Star starters as of now. Well, I'm a fan, and you guys are media, so we basically make up 50% of, true. of how we're going to decide. Totally, people. totally. This is the process right here. This is great. I mean, the best part is these people have the these people NBA players have incentives in their contract that like we matter now to their livelihood, and I like that. Best part is an interesting way of putting that. I think it's a little awkward <laughs> and strange. Uh, but, yeah. like, uh, user generated content, but now it's real. It's like, hey man, I just lost out on twelve million bucks because like Steve in Oklahoma keeps voting for Westbrook. Yeah, well that's <laughs> the thing. The thing like uh, the Raptors fans over the last few years have been super feisty about getting Kyle Lowry into the game, and that I like this year they were probably going to go all out to have an all all North backcourt with DeRozan and Lowry and the NBA has kind of under undercut them a little bit. Yeah. Well, that's good because their broadcasters were so annoying about that last year. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Well, didn't they get, didn't they get Justin Bieber involved one year to like yes. the campaign? Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that that like bizarro era is, is coming to an end. I feel like that's a healthy choice for everyone. Well, I, I agree. Uh, and let's let's try to put our All Star Game starters together here. Why, why not? Why not da- dabble in this for a moment? We won't get into the reserves, but you might as well try to get those starters. And we'll start with the East because we kind of mentioned the Northern backcourt. Uh, I'll throw it out there, but I have DeRozan starting uh, as one of the guards. Um, so half of that backcourt makes it for my team. I have Butler and DeRozan at the guards. LeBron. Giannis and Kevin Love starting for the Eastern Conference. Wow. Where, where am I, I wrong? Lineup. Wait, is Butler a guard? Like, can we consider I him a guard? Ch- I have are you, a guard, yeah. Are you cheating? I mean, he's kind of played three all year. We did this last year, and we decided that Butler was a guard. No, he, he's definitely a guard. No, he didn't have Dwayne Wade last year, though. He's playing the three. Can, my objection to that, though, would be that there are, like, five great point guards 
Yes. In the East, and it would be pretty tough to look at all of those guys and be like, nah, we're going to go with two shooting guards. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. No, I, I, I definitely went light on the point guard there. And most of my bench, most of my reserves were, you know, your wall and your Kemba, uh, Joel Embiid, um, Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie, stuff like that. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> Wait, where's Rashawn last- Holmes? <laughs> But so, yeah, I know. Rashawn Holmes is on the reserves of the reserves. He's he's going to get playing time if Noel decides to uh, to not play too. But um, so those, those are my five. Obviously, I did not have uh, any of the elite point guards. Sharp, who would be your starting five for the East? Um, I I would. I don't know. I I kind of don't want to put three calves in, but <laughs> I think you kind of got to go. Kyrie, I agree that DeRozan after the first couple months has to start. Um, Even though I don't think that he is better than Jimmy Butler, I would start him over Jimmy Butler. And then LeBron, Giannis, and uh, Kevin Love. Yeah. I feel like those three kind of go, that's pretty easy, that front court there. Uh, Mike, you told me that. Is Giannis, hold on. Is Giannis actually like a foregone conclusion? I think he he should be. I think he's been that good. Yeah. well, so this is sharp. I'm glad you just asked I that because so. th- that's literally something that Mike and I were talking about via text like two days ago. Oh, I yeah. said, well, yeah. "What was the effect of it, Mike? Was that like he's I the second I best player in the East this year? Of course, he's, he's been the given. second best player period in the Eastern Conference. Now that's that's a lot heavier than I saying he's I one of the three front court players. Yeah, no, I, I Mike got me to come along to that too. I, I think I tend to agree as well. And the more interesting question is: Is he a point? Is he? Can you consider him a guard or is he a forward? I feel like that's sure. the more interesting question. Oh, I would love point Giannis in the All-Star game. So then we could that would open up another another spot because we yeah. could start Giannis at the point and then I guess we got to put in De- DeRozan, but then Jimmy Butler at the 3, LeBron at the 4 and Kevin Love at the 5. That's a solid solid little lineup there. Hmm. It's not bad at all. All right, I'm going to get a little weirder with my picks <laughs> than y'all. Uh, I'm going yes on DeRozan, yes on LeBron, yes on Giannis. But um, my other two stars, I'm going to go with Kemba Walker and Porzingis. Ah, Kristaps. I have him on my reserves. I don't understand. I don't know how you can do that. Uh, Porzingis is great, but like he has not been consistently night-to-night at that level. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of bold. I mean, I, I think I, I've been disappointed by the Bulls. I had Butler for a while there, uh, and Love would be a fine they are choice. Kinda, they're coming back to earth a little bit. Yeah, they're like it's jumping into the earth and just like drowning in it. Uh, they're well, so, like disintegrating <laughs> into the earth. I want to throw a few names of both you guys who were not mentioned. So Whiteside, not mentioned. Um, if Porzingis is going to be mentioned, do we assume that Whiteside's been uh, as good of a center this season as Porzingis maybe has been? No. Okay. Well, Whiteside's been pretty good. He sees himself as at least one of the two, three best players in the world. Here's um, the difference, so though. Like, Porzingis like, opens stuff up for other players. You mm-hmm. know? And he is a rim protector, too. Like Whiteside is as well. But Whiteside is not like the kind of guy where it's like... like he gets his, but I don't think he's sort of making life easier on his teammates the same way that Porzingis does. You know, like Derek, for example, like Derek Rose before he got injured was like shot more shots at the basket than any year except for his MVP year. You think that he just suddenly got better, good again, or maybe it's because he's running pick and roll with Porzingis all the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's kind of like the hockey assists on everything, um, which right. would be an interesting step. But um, <laughs> and then the last name was, uh, and this is one that I know we've had a little controversy with, Mike. This is where the, the Giannis uh, um, conversation started, which was Paul George. That's a name the NBA loves, the general media, big fan of his, even when they're not necessarily following that his night tonight has not been that great this season. So Paul George is not going to find himself in your starting five, or is he even an all-star to you, Prada? Yeah, he's an all-star. I mean, it wouldn't okay. I wouldn't be totally upset if he made it. I just he's played a lot better recently. I just I just don't like his offensive game as much as others. Forcing do. it a lot. I feel yeah. like Yeah, I feel I don't know if it's anything he's really done wrong. I think it's just a personal preference. I tend to prefer Butler a little bit more, but you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be so yeah. mad. I he's an all-star for sure. He would be a reserve, I think. John Wall? Still I think all-star? the thing with Oh, go oh, ahead. Go ahead, Sharp. So with Paul George, I think he needs to be in a better system where, like, he's not. He, there, there are a lot of times when he kind of plays like he's Kobe, and he's really not Kobe, and that <laughs> brings out like his worst tendencies. And he takes a lot of bad shots, a lot of like pull up threes, and he needs to be in a system where like he's moving the ball and taking shots within the offense, um, but like. Indiana, like he's trying to do too much for them, and a, a lot of times, like comes out flat a little bit. Yeah, well, that's why they that's why they got Jeff Teague, though. I mean, this is supposed <laughs> to solve that problem, and I just think oh, it might it yeah, might be just sure. a bug and not a feature <laughs> at this point. You know, but I still blame Monte Ellis for everything. Well, it's a good no, it's kidding. a good I idea. I think that's a fair take. That's a solid stance. Historically, you're gonna be just, right more than you're wrong. <laughs> exactly. Historically, just blame Monte Ellis, and you know, you, sounds like you know what you're talking about. Um, let's move to the West. I want to wrap this up relatively quick um all right my western starters i don't think there should be too much controversy here but tell me if i'm wrong again i have a westbrook harden kd ad and Kawhi. feels like it's a pretty easy five there who am i missing uh yeah i can't really argue with that i guess you know the thing is that curry obviously is not starting but i don't think he really deserves it neither does chris paul i don't think at this point um the one thing i will say is you maybe have to think and i i, I would agree not agree with you, but you maybe have to think about what the way the Grizzlies are playing. Like, does Marcus Saul deserve to start? Sure, he's been great. I mean, there's over, no doubt about over it. what Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean that's the problem. I'm not really sure who you take out, but like, do you do you say like, well, Gasol is contributing more to winning. Davis's team still stinks. Uh, I wouldn't, right. but I am just saying that is one thought. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's an argument to be made for like superlative awards at the end of the season. You know, first team, second team, third team stuff. But for all star purposes. At least that's how I would break that down in my head and not the vice versa. I still think AD is the starter there. Um, Sharp, I'm going to throw a few names at you and you tell me who's more deserving to be on this all-star team. I'm assuming I'm assuming that all of these guys will make it. But uh, Lillard, Chris Paul, Curry all kind of fall in one bucket for me. And then you have okay. Gobert, Rudy Gobert, Cousins, and Marc Gasol, of which probably one won't make it. And throw in Carl Anthony Towns to that as well. Um, there's going to okay. be an odd man out there. And then again, Gordon Hayward's another name who people are throwing out as like, hey, the Jazz are really good. Similar to that Memphis dilemma. They got to have some representation. So who from those names I just uh, I just rattled off won't be on this Western Conference team? Um, I think all three of those point guards have to make it. Okay. Because they are just that level of star at this point. And Lillard, even though the Blazers are crappy, Lillard has been like on un- pretty unbelievable night to night. And uh, so beyond that, though, Boogie can't make the All-Star game. <laughs> like, they, 
he has been an issue in the locker room and like the the team is kind of miserable and just like no shows more than half of their games and i just don't like i understand he's super talented like 40 minutes ago or 30 minutes ago on this pod we were talking about <laughs> how like the wizards should roll the dice whatever but the he can't make the all-star game for this the interesting thing is uh is Gobert and Gordon Hayward. That yep. is a tough call um, because I think Gordon Hayward probably in in like an all star setting should make it. Um, and he's a bigger he's a bigger star at this point. But in terms of like th- looking at the Jazz, the, the the player who makes me more excited about them is definitely Rudy Gobert uh, yeah. because he's been like lights out for the last couple weeks and that they, they've started to really turn the corner a little bit. I like, and in terms of the best center in the league, like mm-hmm. he's in the conversation now um, to a degree that Hayward definitely is not in that conversation on the wing. But I think, so I think better player, like kind of like the Gasol thing. Like I think yeah. at the end of the year, you're going to look at Gobert and be like, well, he is elite. And Hayward isn't in that level, isn't in that mix. But like as a as a jazz rep at the All Star <laughs> game, that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah, might help with this free agency too. Yeah, that's for like, sure. Hey, we'll we'll throw you the bone and be free agent. I am with you. I think Gobert has got to get more consideration. I'm looking up what his numbers are in terms of rim protection because they are pretty nuts. I mean, he he is such a Venus flytrap there. Teams are shooting 41.7% with him at the rim this year. And he's not an offensive liability anymore. He actually sets really good screens. He rolls. He's near the top of the league and screen assists. He's uh, good he can passer. finish. Uh, he can pass. Yeah, I think he's the guy. You know, He's also, he, him and Joel Embiid are the two guys who, like, even on a court of NBA players, just, like, they look massive. Mm-hmm. And when, when they, like, unfurl at the rim, you're like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> how does anyone score against that person? It's, I completely agree. And I was going to bring up, when they played earlier this year, it was the only opposing center Embiid's gone against who was too much physically for him. Um, yeah. He's had, you know, he was being pushed around a little bit by like Nurkic, but he was better than him and he could get around him. But the thing with Gobert is he's so good, you know, vertically, but he's really quick left to right too. And one step for him is literally from the, you know, the foul line <laughs> to the three point line. It's when he like kind of unfair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And his footwork's good and he's, you know, being well coached. Uh, Quinn Schneider's done a great job of kind of teaching him the right role that he needed to be for them to be successful. I mean, they're Gobert is an interesting player and it would probably behoove the NBA to get his face, his name, I know he's a French guy and he's not going to be as uh, maybe like uh, media savvy as some others, but it'd be good to kind of start building that brand a little bit too. We know who Gordon Hayward is. I mean, SB Nation did a chasing Cinderella or something like that on him. So we've told his story. Yeah, he's a, (laughs) he's an high school tennis player, mind you. Utah's going to riot if he doesn't win defensive player of the year. He will. Yeah. I I think he's kind of got it locked up right now. I mean, we'll see what Draymond have to say, have to say about that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I have plenty to say about him. Do they, <laughs> they play tomorrow night, right? Or I guess this runs on Tuesday, so they play yeah. tonight. Uh, it'll be it'll, <laughs> that'll be a lot of fun, man. I'm I'm actually pretty excited about that game. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a good Tuesday night game for sure. They played a couple weeks back, didn't they? It wasn't wasn't that when Golden State was like really rolling and they kind of put it on them. Yeah, Golden um, State was rolling, and I don't think Utah didn't have a couple guys that. I think night. they rested their whole uh, team, if I recall. Yeah. yeah. 
They like so, yeah, we should say Hayward missed the first what three weeks of the season too with his wrist injury. So um, yeah. he was rounding into form, and then he they, you know they were without him. So yeah, the Jazz are in a good place. One of Prado's predictions from last year coming true. So we're not always wrong uh, on this <laughs> podcast, uh, which is good. But uh, we'll have to have uh, the magic doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. The sharp the magic were uh, Prado's like sneaky pick to make the playoffs this year. And oh the, my god, really? Eight seed. Yeah, eight seed. yeah, eight seed, eight seed. Which I gotta go back alive. in the archives to hear yeah. the rationale. It was a uh, massive talent. <laughs> I know that was like one of the uh, that was one of the picks where I disagreed, and then we've continued to go back to it like pod over pod. But I only do that because a lot of the picks I had are getting increasingly more Wait a uh, minute. wrong. How many games out of the Magic right now? If they, if you're not counting the Wizards out, you know they're only a game and a half behind the Wizards. So yeah, so then they're sure. like two and a half like, out of the eight seed. Okay, hey, I was a preseason believer in the Miami Heat. And I was very, I bought a lot of wolf stock as well. Yeah. Neither one yeah. of those have, have turned out so well. So it's, I got a place on uh, Dwight Howard Island and it's, uh, it's <laughs> awful. Uh, yeah. Nobody likes me and uh, no one takes the garbage out. So it's, yeah. terrible. but uh, least popular uh, island. <laughs> that's, it's the worst. Um, <laughs> you have to take one of those little tiny boats that uh, has like the fuel that you can smell on yourself the whole time coming out the bed, banana boat style. But um, yeah. yeah, anyhow, guys, uh, Sharp, we'll have to have you on later in the year when we have a, a final say on what the wizard season ended up like because yeah, obviously no kidding. we'll see good to, good to get your input <laughs> there knows? yeah who knows and it's also good to just have a different side of the washington coin here because i always get the prater perspective uh, is it that is it that different uh yeah we're we're pretty similar yeah, it is yeah. it's almost like you guys worked we're, together at one point and, oh but we yeah, used to have totally. when when gilbert was on the team we used to have the nastiest arguments in the office so i'm kind of glad we're past that let me let me just say i have never been more right in my life than I was right about Andre Blatch when <laughs> okay. he initially yeah. signed his extension and and Mike was very pro Blatch as a as a piece of the future but having <laughs> said, said that I've been, I've been very wrong about several things <laughs> it That's was a good contract good contract yeah. bad player that yeah. could be a disclaimer okay. on like anything Mike ever does from here on out. Like the next Prey to Motion pictures, like God thought damn. Blatch was going to be a good. Uh, but, uh, so with a grain of salt, but uh, yeah. cool, cool, cool. Well, this is great. Uh, again, Mike Prada as always, uh, Andrew Sharp joining us from what, the crossover at Sports Illustrated, which is uh, always great to have voices from around the NBA world joining us on this pod. In particular, Sharp, thanks for making this work on our like six week. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, we we made it work, man. Yeah, y'all should also listen to the Open Floor podcast that uh, Sharp does at SI with Ben Golliver, uh, almost like former SBNers converging and creating stuff <laughs> yeah, on other totally. places. So it, it's a <laughs> fun great. show. Thank you to Mailchimp, our sponsor uh, this week. Uh, thank you to all of you for listening, and uh, you know we hope to see you next time. Maybe we'll do another one this week. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, we'll try to get something in on on Thursday. We'll maybe tee up the uh, the Christmas Day slate. Of, of NBA action, something to look forward to as you travel around America for the holidays. I'll be driving down to Virginia uh, for for Christmas to Charlottesville, so I'll uh, probably drive by the D.C. area. Maybe I'll wave hi to you there, Sharp. <laughs> All right, sounds good. All right, awesome, guys. Until next time, everybody, thanks again. This is the Limited Upside Podcast. Integrate and connect your store with MailChimp in order to personalize and automate your marketing. Visit MailChimp.com to learn more.